Hey, good morning. Welcome to Soul Sanctuary. My name is Jordan. I'm one of our pastors here, uh, and I'm thrilled to be sharing with you this morning. Here at Soul Sanctuary, we take a book of the Bible and we teach right through it. So we're in the book of Matthew, and uh, every now and again, to kind of break it up, we'll stop teaching through, uh, directly through the book, and we'll kind of regroup and we'll do a teaching series. And that's what we did over the course of December, the Advent season. We, vote, we had the Advent wreath up here, and every week we lit a new candle and participating with Christians around the world, we reflected on the coming of Christ. And so before we get back into the book of Matthew, which is going to come in January, before we dive back in, we're going to take kind of these transition weeks. You know, these awkward weeks where the kids aren't in school, and it's like, what do we really do with them? Instead of getting back into Matthew, we're going to take these, and we're going to get, dedicate them to a purpose. So next week, you're going to come, and we're going to look at 2020, and we're going to talk about what the plan is for us as a church community over the course of 2020. We're going to set the vision, 2020 vision, right? Every pastor's making that joke tomorrow, or next Sunday. Yeah, I know, you like that. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to look, 2020, we're going to set the course. We're going to say, hey, this is where we're going. That's next week. The week after January 12th, that is our Life Group Launch Sunday. We believe that you can't do life alone, and a part of that is being connected with a group of people in a life group. So we're going to kick that off on January 12th so you can get, 12th, so you can get into a life group for the, the winter semester. Uh, but today, today is uh, that, that, like, we're not quite in 2020, but it's a great opportunity to reflect on the past decade. Think about it for a moment. Where were you in 2010? All right, think about it for a moment. You know, you're like, man, I'm old, right? Some of the kids are in here. They weren't alive yet. Some of you didn't have kids yet, and now you feel like it's been 20 years, but they're only three. Where were you in 2010? It's been a decade. It has been a long swath of time that has passed, and I think this morning gives us the opportunity to reflect as a church community, to take a look back and to be like, where, where has God led us through over the course of the past year? Uh, where has God been good? Where, where have we seen his faithfulness abound over the course of the last year? Uh, today we call Legacy Sunday. Legacy is something handed down by a predecessor. Uh, uh, the end of a decade is the perfect time to look back is the perfect time to see what's been handed down to us. And this question about legacy, it makes us ask the question, uh, what am I going to leave behind when I'm gone? What's going to remain of me when I'm here no longer? It's a question that us as mortal beings all have to ask ourselves. Uh, today, the scripture is going to point us to consider our collective legacy. Uh, the legacy of Soul Sanctuary, what are we handing down to those who come after us in our community of faith? How are we participating in the maturation of spiritual children? These are the questions we'll ask ourselves this morning. Now, I think this is also the time to celebrate. You know, as we look back, we reflect, and you know, all those like calm things like reflection and contemplation, but it's also worthwhile celebrating. There are some incredible things that God has done through the Soul Sanctuary community in 2019. Now, some of you may have seen in your email inbox or, or on Facebook or online or on the website at soulsanctuary.ca, you could go there now if you want to see it and you haven't seen it yet. It's just an article that highlights five things that God has done in the life of the soul community over the course of the last year. And I want to share with you some of them, because it's important for us to say, ah, God was there. God was there, 
God was there, God was there. Because when we look back and we remember his faithfulness, it spurs us on into, towards a future with him. The first one was that together we directed over $100,000 towards our missions partners. This is actually a big deal. You know, at Soul Sanctuary, we're, we, we wouldn't call ourselves like a large church, but we're also not really a small church. I mean, if, you're, if you come from Nowhereville, Manitoba, we're probably a large church, right? But if you've been in a big city, we're not necessarily a large church. But the fact that we have given over $100,000 towards our missions partners is a big deal. Uh, this mission's giving, it, it goes to Ukraine, some of it goes to Russia, some of it goes to Living Word Temple, uh, some of it uh, goes to church planting through the Association of Related Churches. Uh, we are involved in a lot of different areas, and we give a lot of money, which is something to, to, to celebrate. Generosity is something to celebrate, and we give to different missions partners who are, fun, or, or who are doing God's work in different areas of the world and in our city. Uh, together we sponsor, number two, uh, 160 children on one Sunday through World Vision Canada. All right, you got to do the math here. Soul Sanctuary, we're about a church of, of, of about 600 people on paper. And we sponsored 290 kids through World Vision Canada. All right? That, that, that's a lot of kids. The World Vision rep comes to Seoul for the prairies. And he, he's just like constantly dumbfounded at the fact that we give so much to World Vision through child sponsorship. That's something to celebrate. Number three, together we built a multi-purpose children's ministry space with a long-term tenant. So if you go down this hall and to the left in the Soul Kids Junior Room, that room used to just be one big open space. And we've had the opportunity to subdivide it into three classrooms, to install a washer dryer, to install children's bathrooms. And then we put a long-term tenant in there, Nova Montessori Preschool. And so they run their Montessori Preschool throughout the week and help pay our mortgage. That's something to celebrate. Number four, in September, we launched together the Soul Sanctuary Internship Program to develop church leaders. Uh, this was a dream of ours for a long time, and it just took putting the right pieces in place to see it executed to the point where now we have six people who are kind of locked and loaded in the chamber. I heard from one of them uh, uh, maybe about a month ago now. We're kind of like all just hanging out upstairs. We're working in the office, and I hear from the other room, and he starts talking about he, uh, our, in, our interns are enrolled in theology courses. And so he starts talking about, oh my gosh, I never knew theology was applicable to my life. I was talking with somebody and then I was using something I learned in class. And I'm like, this is what I'm talking about, you know? When we learn the Bible, it actually has implications for our lives. And we're developing church leaders through the internship program here at Seoul. Finally, number five, together we saw over 40 people complete growth track. For those of you who don't know, Growth Track is our integration uh, uh, course here at Soul Sanctuary to get integrated into community life. It's three sessions that talk, uh, talk you through discovering your purpose in Christ, that, that talk you through how to get involved in this community. We run our next session in January. That's 40 new people integrated into the life of Soul Sanctuary. These are exciting things worth celebrating. And I'm going to take a moment and soak that in. Now, our passage this morning comes from the book of Luke, chapter 8, verses 4 to 15, and it's known as the parable of the sower. This parable also shows up in Matthew, in Matthew 13, and we taught through it uh, about two years ago now. Let's read it together. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled on. The birds ate it up. 
Some fell among the rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it, but choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Continuing on a little further, Jesus says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. In Luke 8, Jesus is telling us a parable. A parable is a made-up story that matters. And not only uh, does he tell the parable, uh, but in the same passage, he explains exactly what it means when his disciples ask. This story matters to you, and it matters to me this morning. It will impact the way that we choose to live in this world. The parable ends with Jesus describing good soil that has received the seed and has produced a crop. And it's that good soil which has a lasting legacy. As I was reading this passage and reflecting on the idea of of, of Legacy Sunday, I was brought back to where I was at this time last year. Last December, it was my, my grandmother passed away, and shortly after her death, we had to deal with her estate. A part of that process was going into a home that had been lived in for 60 years and just trying to make sense of all the belongings and the possessions that were in there. My grandfather died back in 2009. And then as we went in last year to to clean out my grandmother's house, I found my grandpa's desk. And so as a part, you know, there's, there's cousins and my brothers were all over the house just cleaning up and, you know, boxing things and getting things out. And I start going through grandpa's desk in the basement. And, and I stumble upon thousands and thousands and thousands of one-page sermons just like this. My grandfather was a preacher. Uh, he was bivocational, worked for the city of Winnipeg, and then preached in uh, English Ukrainian church that we now call Living Word Temple, or that was called Living Word Temple and is now our, our north end campus here at Seoul. And he had these sermons. They're written part in English, part in Ukrainian. And I'm like, this guy was awesome. He just walked up there with one piece of paper, put it down, and then spoke for an hour. And as I was looking through this, I mean, a part of it hit me with amazement. That I could see all of these. Here's his sermon called, Do You Love the Church? It was preached in Winnipeg on April 27th, 1975, in the morning. Now, he would document each time he preached it. This one Ukrainian sermon, he, he preached one, two, three, four, five, six times. And then he would always rank himself. And so... This is good. I mean, this is constructive criticism, right? And then sometimes there's notes from other people. So uh, this particular sermon, he did VG, which meant very good. Uh, This particular sermon, it was Liz said I could do better, which is grandma. And I'm like, come on. You know, that's a healthy marriage. That's constructive criticism. 
difficult to speak in Ukrainian. Interesting. Anyway, so he, he, this, is, this is how he wrote his sermons. But So I, I'm going through this desk, and I am uncovering literally thousands of sermons. It's really cool for a little bit as you're poking through and reading things. And my grandfather and I share the same faith. So for me, that's an enriching experience. I mean, I was all about this. But it presented me with a difficult pill to swallow. My grandfather had written millions of words on these pieces of papers. And less than a decade after his death, they all sat there unread. Nobody knew they were there. Nobody really cared about them. I mean, if I didn't find them, they would have just been chucked in the trash. And in fact, there were so many of them that I couldn't keep them all. I sifted through them one morning, and, and I took some uh, as keepsakes, but I had to do away with the rest. Where, where could I put them? And it was on February 1st of 2019 uh, that I wrote this in, in my journal as a reflection of what was going on in my heart and my head. I wrote, I've always seen my journals as something that I'll leave behind after my death. But the recent death of grandma and the subsequent cleaning of her house has shown me how meaningless our possessions really are. Even more, grandpa's millions of written words and thousands of sermons are simply put out to the trash. And this is troubling when I consider my own legacy. I'm inclined then to say that my journals must find their purpose in refining my soul. I've always seen God deliver me through the written word, so then, perhaps, I don't write for my own legacy to be passed on in the future, but I write for God to transform my present. For now I see dimly, but through these journals I will continue to see him more clearly until one day we see face to face. Journaling has always been a discipline of mine that connects me with God. It's an opportunity for me to slow down and get the thoughts out on my page. My realization in early 2019 was that all the cool things that I collect, all the moleskin journals that I fill, uh, all, all the renovations I do to my house, all the Christmas gifts I buy my wife, all the gifts she buys me, will all one day be forgotten. That I am but a blip. Yet what of my grandparents live on? Warm memories, yeah, for sure. But more so than warm memories or good sentiments is the thousands of people who came to know Jesus because of their influence. Because of their dedication to service in Christ's church. Thousands to this day know Jesus. My grandmother, after my grandpa passed, would tell me stories of people knocking on her door. She lived in the same house for 60 years. I mean, people, people knew. Uh, borders. She used to take borders because she was one street away from the University of Manitoba, and she would say that people would just come knock on their door and be like, are you Liz? And she'd be like, I don't remember you. And she, they were like, we lived here. I mean, a lot of people lived here. But at the end of the day, the time that she invested in these strangers paid dividends as they came to follow Christ and pass on the faith to their kids. Their legacy is thousands of spiritual children, of which I am one. When we look to the Old Testament, we see that blessing is innately connected with physical offspring. We've we got to ask ourselves, dialing back a little bit, well, what does it look like now? to leave a, a, a legacy? What does it look like now to cultivate spiritual 
children. Track with me. In the Old Testament, blessing is innately connected with physical offspring. You can read Psalm 127, verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. You know, this is blessing from God to have children throughout the Old Testament. Jewish society, offspring is a symbol of a life well lived. The Bible's filled. The Jewish, the Jewish texts are filled with genealogies over and over and over. And, and the genealogies are in there because this thing matters. Culturally, it's hugely important to be able to have an heir. Family lines are important. Physical children matter greatly. Yet Jesus' parable here in Luke chapter 8 is about a new kind of offspring of a new kind of kingdom. It's about the kind of offspring that Jesus had. Jesus didn't have physical children, but there are spiritual children. The story that Jesus tells us shows us a shift in where blessing now lay. For Christians today, people believing in the coming of the Messiah, living in the wake of Jesus Christ, blessing comes in the form of producing spiritual children of good soil that has received its seed and that over time has retained it and persevered and produced a harvest which then leaves a lasting legacy in the field. It's not a legacy of human bloodlines anymore, but it is a legacy that's through the bloodline of Christ. The parable of the sower is a cause and effect story where the, the seed is sown and then dependent on the type of soil, something happens to it. Either there's a harvest to be had or there's no harvest to be had at all. And on our, on our team here at Seoul, we have, we have a saying. And it's set around the staff meeting table quite often. Uh, we, we work towards a preferred future. We use the language of a preferred future to indicate our belief that the way things are isn't the way that things have to be. That the future we are building here at Soul Sanctuary is a partnership of people who are led by Christ. That it is Christ who points us towards the best of futures, one where a harvest is actualized. A preferred future isn't kind of a, a pipe dream. It's the kingdom of heaven here with us. It's learning to pray like Jesus prayed. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth here now as it is in heaven. Our preferred future, the kingdom of heaven here with us, is only achieved as we raise spiritual children who outlive us and continue the faith. And, ra and raising spiritual children is a legacy worth leaving. So let's go back to our text in Luke 8. Let's read each segment. So I'll, I'll read Jesus's uh, telling of the parable followed directly by his interpretation for each kind of soil. Jesus starts, a farmer went out to sow his seed and his, he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path and it was trampled on and the birds ate it up. His interpretation is those along the path are the ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Each type of soil is described as a different hearer of the word and we have people who hear but the seed just rests on the top of the footpath. It can't germinate. Jesus talks about how the devil comes and he steals the seed so that they can't believe, so that they can't come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. 
Jesus teaches us that the devil is active among us. I mean, sometimes we give the devil too much credit, but we have to acknowledge the fact that he is there, active among us, and he doesn't want you to believe, and he doesn't want you to pass on cultivating spiritual children. He doesn't want you leaving a spiritual legacy. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8-10, to 10, Peter says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I mean, he's on the hunt. I watched a video this morning of a polar bear get a seal. You know, it's like that's the image that Peter's giving us here. Resist him, Peter says, standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. The enemy is thwarting our attempts to make spiritual children. Now hear me out. When I say spiritual children, I'm not talking about like physical children. You know, a spiritual child doesn't have to be a physical child. A spiritual child is anybody who's, who has, or, or where the seed has been sown and they have received it. They could be 90. They could be 80. I mean, the, the first person... To get saved at Soul Sanctuary, I, I, I believe he was like 72 years old. He was the first person to give his life to Jesus in this church. And so these are our spiritual children. I mean, some of you are spiritual children, right? You're new to faith. You're here. You're figuring it out. You're like, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And I'm parsing this, parsing this through. The enemy doesn't want the cultivation of spiritual children. He is actively stealing the seed we scatter, the word as we share. Jesus continues, verse 6, Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Jesus interprets it, verse 13, Those on the rocky ground are ones who receive the word with joy, but when they hear it, they got no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Jesus is now talking about those who hear, they accept with joy. However, their desire for the word is fleeting. It's surface le level. It's not watered. It's not cultivated. There's no moisture. At Soul Sanctuary, we believe in taking the next step. This is one of our family values. We talk about it till we're blue in the face. We all have next steps to take. In our walk with Christ, whether you're 13, 30, 60, I don't care. You have a next step. You ain't done yet. And the moment that you think you're done is the moment that you've been deceived by our enemy. You're continuing to grow. Why? Why do we need to take next steps? Why do we need to continue? Because those who don't, when the seed is no longer watered, it dries out and it dies. When you live your life as a, as a follower of Christ in isolation, your zeal will eventually burn out. All that joy that you had at the beginning, if you're living it by yourself, if you're not doing life with other people, I mean, if you're not in a life group, if you don't serve on, on, on a team with other people, shoulder to shoulder, studying the Bible together, learning what it means to follow Jesus together, enough with your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We do this in the context of community. That's how Jesus intended it. It's messy. It's sticky. But this is what Christ intended for his church. Not for just you and your Bible and your Bible app, but his church. We do it together. When you make church attendance a secondary priority, or even worse, uh, you, you grow a familiarity with it, and it becomes just a formality, 
You're not arriving here with expectation that you will hear from the living God anymore. When you get to that point, the seed dies. When you live a life of pragmatic solutions to all your problems, and you fail to trust in God and put faith in Him that He will deliver you from your circumstance, that He will cultivate lasting character in you, the seed dies. So what's your next step, I ask? Let us walk through that with you. Is it joining a life group? Two weeks. Come back. Is it joining growth track? Three weeks. Come back. Is it tithing? Is there something that you can do to kickstart your relationship with Christ? I mean, he moved first. We move in response. Verse 7. The other seed fell among thorns, Jesus said, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Verse 14. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for Those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And they do not mature. Jesus tells us that life's worries, riches, and pleasures are often the reason that we don't spiritually mature. If we don't mature, there is no harvest. If there is no harvest, there is no legacy to leave. Matthew 16, 24 to 26, we preach this through in Matthew. And Jesus, man, he's throwing it down. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. As a follower of Christ, you have a cross of discipleship to bear. Jesus makes it clear. For whoever would want to save his life is going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Jesus is throwing it down here. It's like, have you trapped yourself in greed and the pursuit of wealth and pleasures? And and maybe you're trapped yourself in in, in your anxieties and your worries. And you're in, I call it the dryer. And you ever talk to somebody who's stuck in a dryer? It keeps getting hotter and hotter and going around and around and around. And the only way that you can stop is, you know, open that door and let the cold air rush in. This is us. We're trapped in our worries. We're stuck in our pleasures. We're, 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 we're sunk deep in our wealth. It's not the money to blame here. It's our heart. It's possible to be rich and not deceived. To be in this world, but not choked with its cares. But take a moment and be honest with yourself. Do life's worries, riches, and pleasures have you distracted? Has your maturity as a follower of Christ been stunted because of your pursuit of other things? Are you more worried about your next vacation than you are about your spiritual legacy? Jesus continues, it's the good soil. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up and it yielded a crop a hundred times more than what it was sown than what was sown. Fifteen, but the seed on the good soil stands for those who are noble and of good heart, who hear the word, who retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Jesus shows us that there are those who hear, retain, and persevere. And the consequence of those three actions is uh, producing a crop. In Galatians uh, chapter 6, verses 8 and 9, uh, the Apostle Paul follows this agrarian metaphor that Jesus has line, outlined, and he says, A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, 
from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become then weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. Why? So that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. As we persevere, we mature, and we leave a harvest a legacy to those followers of Christ who come up behind us. In fact, you and I, if you're sitting here right now as a follower of Christ, you are the beneficiary of somebody else's spiritual legacy. We are beneficiaries of the apostles, of the martyrs, of the church mothers and fathers who, who shortly after Jesus parsed out and had to figure out what does it mean to be a Christian. Specifically, what does it mean to be a Christian in the most ruthless empire on earth? And it often led to brutal deaths. Murderous persecution. You know, you and I, we are beneficiaries of all the theologians, priests, and pastors throughout 2,000 years of church history who gave their every moment to fulfill the calling that Christ had placed on their lives. You and I, we are beneficiaries of every saint, every follower of Christ who has gone before us, modeling to us what it means to follow Jesus. You might have some uh, specific people in your life that, that, that brought you to church or that first modeled you the gospel. You are a beneficiary of them. I mean, if you're here, you are sitting here now in the spiritual legacy of Pastor Jerry and Sharon. There's a level of honor that I think rightly they deserve from us, their spiritual children. You know, the boldness to follow Christ. To leave behind comfortable wages and a good job to start a church that no one thought would start, that no one thought would work. You know, to persevere through eviction notices. When you get an eviction notice on a Thursday and you got to move the church to a dingy movie theater for Sunday... And you lose half the congregation in the move. You know, that's perseverance. And we do ourselves well to remember those who have gone before us to show honor where honor is due. For they have heard the word, they have retained it. And because of that, they have persevered through to leaving a spiritual harvest for you and for me. A legacy that we now walk in and we have the opportunity to steward. As we live our lives, we must remember that God is looking for humble hearts. That he's looking for those who are willing to do his work, who are cultivating character, who desire to seek Christ first. He's looking for those who are seeking him by faith. And he's leading them into the production of fruit for his kingdom. Into the cultivation of maturity in spiritual children into the family of believers, a growing and diversifying body of Christ. He's not looking for the perfect, the people with it all together. He is looking for the available who say, yes, Jesus, lead me where you want me to go. We should be living in a holy discontent 
if we truly believe that the way things are in this world is not the way that they should be. And I believe that by laboring together, you and I and this church called Soul Sanctuary, led by Christ the head, are able to work toward a preferred future, his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The parable of the sower teaches us that scattering seed is worthwhile. I mean, it's crazy to think where God has taken us as a community over the course of the last 16 years. I think it was January 4th, 2005? 2004? 5? One of the two that this place started. Just down the street at 1111 Chevrolet Boulevard. God has been faithful. We never dreamed that we could be in a place like this, you know, own a facility with a fat mortgage. <laughs> but here we are. Remaining faithful to what God has called us to do. I mean, 2019 was great. We experienced God's goodness, his faithfulness. We endured difficult times. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But at the, the end of the day, 2019 was good. And the joy is that 2020 is coming. I echo the, the declaration that Paul spoke over the Ephesian church that Lauren shared with us earlier. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do what? Immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to who his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in all the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. As we leave here today, will you let the light that Christ has lit within you shine upon the hill that he has placed you? Will you respond to the word of the Lord with a humble heart, seeking to just be enlisted in his service, saying, yes, God, wherever you're going, I'm following. Will you have a sensitive spirit to discern where the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding you? Will you persevere through life's sufferings so that you may live a legacy which outlasts the air in your lungs? May you participate in the work of cultivating spiritual children in the soul sanctuary community. Are you willing to pray with me, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? As we look toward a new decade, I'll tell you the truth, I look with great expectation. I am excited as we strive toward a preferred future. What's a preferred future today is going to be a reality tomorrow. The story of this church community is one that is still being written. It's a story which seeks to make Christ big and make us small. It's a story which includes expansion for the sake of the gospel, including people who have never heard the message of Jesus before so that their lives might be radically transformed. That's the future of this community. I mean, the future of this community is, is, is going to include dreaming dreams so big that if God doesn't show up, we look like fools. I want to invite you to co-labor with us this coming year with this family. Some of our interns, they weren't a part of the Soul Sanctuary community uh, before they joined the internship program. And, and they'll be sitting around the table sometimes and they'll be like, uh, 
you guys always do this. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't say you guys to me. This is an us thing now. You know, we do this. I mean, if that's the way that you're programmed to think in here, you know, you've been coming for six months and you still say you guys, uh, 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 you're a part of the family now. The bloodline of Christ runs through me. It runs through you. We are in this together. It's a story that includes expansion across the globe. You know, that first number one highlight of 2019 sharing wealth and resources, empowering churches across the globe to care for others. So I invite you into a partnership, into the family. Partnerships to business, get that up. A family. I invite you to the table as we co-labor with Christ as our lead so that people may come to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. As we seek those who are far from God, we scatter seed wherever we go. I want to invite you to partner financially with us, the family, by making a year-end donation to Soul Sanctuary, which will help us serve our community in the new year. Giving of your financial resources, together we can participate in the work of raising spiritual children. Our desires to reach those far from God with the life-giving message of Jesus. So may we together in 2020 make Jesus big and ourselves small. May his word germinate in our hearts and bring forth a harvest like never before. So as we close, I want us to, uh, to respond in worship. I invite you to stand with me. The band's going to sing, Here as in heaven, a, a call. Lord, your spirit in me that wells up in me to good works for your kingdom. Not that those works save me. No, because Christ, you did that for me on the cross. But in this moment, we sing of our thankfulness, of our gratefulness, of a good God who is active, doing miracles among us here. So I invite you to pray with me the words that will be on the screen. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. In times of old... The one giving the blessing would extend, hand, extend hands, and those receiving the blessing would do likewise. If you would like a blessing, no magic, no tricks, simply a prayer, would you extend hands? So sanctuary as you go, may the word of the Lord take root in your heart, and may it grow in you through listening, retaining, and persevering. May the seed that takes root grow and bear the fruit of spiritual children, as you labor towards his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, remember that your labors are not your own, but are sustained by Christ. So may God bless you at the turning of a new year, and may your months ahead be filled with the bright hope that is ours in the coming of Christ. So be blessed, go in peace, and we will see you next week.